When negative thinking becomes problematic, however, it's because we ruminate on that thought and we fail mm-hmm. to resolve it, uh, whether directly or indirectly, or we fail to kind of, you know, make a conscious change. Um, so in order to kind of address that, we have to know that mental health is an active process. There are things that we can do to combat negative thinking. We must watch what we think. We have to test our thoughts, you know, not all thoughts that we ex- what, that we have are true. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should really focus our thoughts and things that edify us. And there are things that we can do that I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit more. Um, but but really, our, our brain is, is biased to thinking negatively. So we really need to protect our thought life in order to uh, make things a little bit more healthy for our brains and our mental health. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, TV guest expert, and author. After self-hacking my mind and body to lose 30 pounds, I now help busy, overwhelmed women use stress as their superpower so that they can rise above it and become more calm, resilient, and physically fit. Each week, not only will you learn nutrition and stress management habits, you'll also learn about the power of food to enhance your mental and physical well-being and how to overcome your battles with living a healthier lifestyle. The secret to eating healthier, improving your mood, and increasing your energy are not only about what you put in your stomach, it's also about what's going on in your brain. So congratulations on showing up. I promise to support you on your health journey with every single episode. Let's begin. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. This is culinary nutritionist Trudy Stone, and I'm so grateful that you tuned in today. Are you focusing on all the things that you lack or that you don't have in your life instead of living in gratitude? Are you actively managing your thought life? And if you don't know what this is, you're about to find out in this episode. In this week's episode of the Mind Your Body Show, medical neuroscientist and professor Dr. Chrissy Doyle Thomas joins us to talk about how to manage your thought life and all of those negative thoughts that you have and how to change your brain with every thought. So let me tell you about Dr. Chrissy, and you might know her as Everyday Neuroscience on Instagram and her very entertaining and educational videos on how we can enhance our mental health. Dr. Christy Doyle Thomas is a medical neuroscientist and professor. She holds faculty appointments at Mohawk College and McMaster University. Dr. Christy is an expert in medical conditions that affect the brain and mental health. She's received several prestigious fellowships, including fellowships from the Canadian Institute for Health Research and the Networks of Centers of Excellence of Canada. Dr. Christie's research has been published in numerous high-impact peer-reviewed journals and presented nationally and internationally to both academic and non-academic audiences. Dr. Christie was also featured in CBC's Her Story in Black as one of Canada's top 150 Black women who excels within her field. Dr. Christie is passionate about helping people maximize their potential as it relates to understanding how the brain works. She's committed to sharing life principles based on scientific research and how we can live healthy, mindful lives. You are definitely in for a treat with this episode. Welcome to the Mind Your Body show, Dr. Chrissy. How are you? Thank you so much for having me here, Trudy. It really is a pleasure to chat with you today. Okay, so Dr. Chrissy, I have been so looking forward to this conversation because I've been following you on the gram. You have these amazing, just infectious, engaging videos that just give so much information about how we can empower ourselves, how we can improve our brain health. But the way that you explain things is just so easy for people to understand. And I really appreciate the value that you provide to people. So Dr. Chrissy, first of all, if someone hasn't heard about you before, they're living under a rock, or if this is their first time or their first introduction to you, can you just kind of give us a little bit about your background and what it is that you do? Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you again for that really rich compliment, Trudy. I really appreciate it. And I follow you on the gram too. And I'm blown away by all of these fantastic tips that you give us in, in, you know, everyday language that we can understand our healthy choices, nutrition. I absolutely love it. So right back at you. I absolutely am privileged that we're connected right now in this way. Oh, thank um, you. 
a little bit about who I am. So I'm a, I'm a medical neuroscientist. So I've been in the field. I've been studying, you know, mental health conditions and conditions that affect the brain for almost 17 years now. So it's been a very, very long time that I have been a scientist. And um, after getting my PhD, I worked in a hospital for close to a decade where I was studying autism and ADHD and basically how the brain in those conditions look and how it responds to treatment. And then I went across to, you know, universities and colleges and started teaching full-time, doing research on the side still, but still kind of helping uh, build capacity within community healthcare providers um, pertaining to mental health care and just care for folks that are living with a brain disorder, understanding the brain a little bit more and how it responds to treatment. So that's really where I am right now. I have a little platform on Instagram. I'm just trying to bring some of that content to the community in a way that is understandable, that we can apply it to our everyday life and really just kind of help ourselves, you know, live healthy whole lives. So that's kind of what I do. Oh, I love that, Dr. Chrissy. And you know, what I love about you as well. So for those of you who are listening to this and aren't watching the actual video, you know, Dr. Chrissy, she is a woman of color. So I love seeing a woman of color in the space of neuroscience, which is predominantly, you know, white males, let's just call it what it is. Um, So when I saw you, when I saw neuroscience on Instagram, I was like, oh my God, like my mind was completely blown and still is. So how did you get into neuroscience? Yeah, and I appreciate that. And you definitely feel different in this space. I think I had a little bit of imposter syndrome for a really long time um, until I kind of stepped out in my confidence and, you know, kind of claimed my space and said, you're supposed to be here. And I'm supposed to be here for the field to kind of further it with my science, but also to help other people that look like me kind of appreciate the message that the science gives us, right, in a way that really applies to their life. I got involved in, in, in neuroscience, particularly because of my family. So my young sister was born uh, prematurely and she was uh, she had some challenges at birth. Uh, she was deprived of oxygen when, you know, in the whole process. And she was born the, and, and the, the challenges that she encountered at birth kind of developed into some learning disabilities. Uh, she was also diagnosed with global developmental delay. And it really was a challenge for our family being new immigrants at the time um, to Canada from Trinidad to navigate the health system and really understand what this means to us as a family in a new space, not understanding what's going on. And and at that time, the internet was very, very new. So (laughs) there was really no information out there that we were getting other than the the short visits with our with our doctors, right at sick kids at the time. So it, 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 you know, being having the personality that I have, I was destined to kind of find out more about what these kind of conditions are, how does it affect my family, looking at the stress and just the mental health toll it was taking on my parents was 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 quite, you know, loud in my life, for lack of a, of a better way of describing that. And I kind of grew up with this intent of finding out about the brain, if not to help my family, just to help other families that are potentially having similar experiences to that which we had. Um, and of course, it being my little sister, we were growing up at the same time. So I wasn't fortunate enough to kind of help her along the path as much as helping other families right now. But I appreciate the learning and the lived experience that gave me because it really gives me an opportunity to understand what families are dealing with and coping with when there is a learning disability in a family or another kind of diagnosis that affects the brain and development, and then the toll it takes on the family in terms of their mental health. So that's kind of how I got into the field and why I have a soft spot in my heart for, for really, you know, trying to be a voice in this space to bring hope to others. Mm, I love that personal connection, Dr. Chrissy. And I find that when we have a personal connection to what it is that we do and how it is that we help people, it just makes us more passionate about doing that. Um, And that's how I felt about, you know, weight loss and losing weight. And that's why I wanted to help people because everything that I was learning about the weight loss industry was scary. And a lot of women just didn't have access to this information because I'm a a bit of a research nerd. Um, So a lot of women didn't have access to this information. So I needed to make sure that women knew, you know, some of the foods that they were eating were actually, you know, helping them to, or making them gain weight versus losing weight and so on and so forth. Um, But I love that personal story. And I know we talked about this offline, but I'm sure our listeners want to know as well, like, how was your sister doing today? Oh, she's doing fantastic. She is in her 30s. She has two beautiful baby girls. Well, they're not babies. One's five starting kindergarten in September and the other one's two. She's doing really, really well living on her own. It's just a happy soul. And she's kind of navigating life 
in her own space, in her own time. And I just really appreciate the awesome woman that she's become. And I'm very, very proud of her. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad to hear that she's doing well. So Dr. Chris, we've heard the term mental health a lot in recent years, and especially now with everything that's been going on during the pandemic. So what I know we've heard the term, but what is mental health? Yeah. And I really appreciate you, Trudy, starting with this question, because I think we have this misconception at times that mental health is an illness, right? And it's far from that. The same way we have physical health, uh, which is the health of the body, is the same way we have mental health, which is the health of the mind. And the mind is really influenced heavily by what happens in the brain. So a lot of what goes on in there in our brains, we have chemicals moving around and we have brain areas doing different things. And those areas are talking to each other and we're being stimulated by our outside world, you know, constantly. So when we care for our brain, we're actually caring for our mental health. And we need Mm -hmm. to understand that we start from a place of being healthy. And there is quite an obligation that we have to actively maintain our mental health before it potentially becomes um, an illness, right? Just like, just like physical health can materialize into an illness um, in some situations. And when I, when I think about mental health, I, I really think about uh, three big buckets, right? And I think about us watching our thought life. I think about us living a healthy lifestyle and just the and appreciating, thirdly, the importance of nature and how that can be quite therapeutic in our lives. Mm-hmm. That's so great. And I know we're going to talk about thought life more in a little bit, but, you know, how can we support good mental health? Yeah. And I, and, and another, another good question, because it helps us to kind of figure out what we can do in our, in our everyday lives that, that would give us, you know, an opportunity to really be healthy in this space. Um, In terms of our thought life, I've, we have to understand that the reality of our brain is that it's more attuned to negative bias, right? It's in survival mode. It's not in any other way. Our brain is there to help us to stay alive and to, you know, to, uh, to propagate our genes into other generations. So in theory, it's not a bad thing because uh, having this negative bias is quite protective to us. Just think about how it will keep us safe in a harmful situation. If we're thinking about, you know, back in the day when we were hunters and gatherers and such like that, if we're hunting and we see a lion, that fear response that we experience could potentially change, uh, save our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Similarly, if we think about like that emotional response we get to a bad performance review, that heightened awareness uh, might actually prevent us from doing the same thing in the future that might cost us our job. So these negative thoughts are not, it's not meant to um, be detrimental to us. It's actually meant to keep us quite safe. And the brain allocates a large response to um, something that happens that's negative that happens. Like we have these brain cells and they have electrical potentials that kind of propagate along the length of the cell when it's turned on. And research shows that these evoke potentials related to a negative stimulus is far larger than those related to a positive stimulus. So this means that the brain really holds um, much more notice to a negative event. Um, When negative thinking becomes problematic, however, it's because we ruminate on that thought and we fail Mm -hmm. to resolve it, uh, whether directly or indirectly, we fail to kind of, you know, make a conscious change. Um, So in order to kind of address that, we have to know that mental health is an active process. There are things that we can do to combat negative thinking. We must watch what we think. We have to test our thoughts, you know, not all thoughts that we, what that we have are true. Mm -hmm. Um, And we should really focus our thoughts and things that edify us. And there are things that we can do that I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit more. Um, But, but really our, our brain is, is biased to thinking negatively. So we really need to protect our thought life in order to uh, make things a little bit more healthy for our brains and our mental health. Mm. Oh my God. There's so many, so many things that I want to unpack. Um, yeah, with rumination. And I talk about this as well with my clients and people in my community. Like when you ruminate on things, you're just training that part of your brain, that emotional part of your brain to just continue to ruminate in the future. So, you know, it's really good to get into the practice of just, you know, catching those thoughts. I think the term is like catch, cancel, replace, right? So catching that thought, you know, replacing it with something that's more empowering, right? Um, so that's something that I, I don't have this figured out. I'm definitely not perfect, but when I find myself like in a stressful situation and it always starts with a thought, right? Cause a thought yeah, leads exactly. to a feeling, which leads to an action, right? So that yeah. thought could be, Hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm not enough. And that feeling yeah. could be feelings of sadness. And that action could be you, you know, downing a bottle of wine or going to the freezer and yeah. having like, you know, a bucket of ice cream. So it all starts 
you know, with that thought. So I'm so glad that you talked about this and you have this concept called thought life. Can you talk to us a little bit more about thought life? Yeah. And, and you know what? I love what you just said, Trudy, the fact that, you know, we have to have a plan to combat those problem thoughts. Right. Um, and, and a reason why we have to do this, and, and I love how you touched on the reality of their existence, is because thoughts are physical entities in our brain. They're actually physically there. We can see that someone is thinking if myself as a scientist or a doctor kind of gives an MRI to a functional MRI more so, so we can see the brain when it's active functional, right? That's the functional piece. And we can, you know, see when a client is thinking the brain lights up in a very specific way. We can see when the client is emotional, it lights up with very key brain areas that are activated. So we can't, we have to take away our thinking that thoughts are abstract. They're actually quite physical things. We won't know the content of what you're thinking, but we will know that they're, you know, thinking is taking place. And I tend to explain it by, you know, drawing the comparison to an architect with a city drawing, right? They're drawing buildings, they're drawing roads, the buildings that link to each other, there are tunnels in the ways, there are, there are traffic lights. And our thoughts can be thought of as one, like each thought can be thought of as one of those buildings, right? We have small buildings, big buildings, complex buildings, simple ones. And in a very similar way, we have small thoughts, big thoughts, complex, you know, complicated thoughts, and those that could be easily replaced. And every day, every second of the day, we're elaborating on this design, which each thought we recall, we're reinforcing the design, making it bigger and stronger every time we recall a thought, it becomes way more automatic in our brain and harder to change. We're Mm -hmm. actually changing our brain with every thought. So that's the importance of watching that thought life. And and, um, I appreciate, you know, where where you started to to go about, you know, potentially using things like affirmation. I think that that is so very important. Things like affirmation. Science has shown that affirmations can change your brain. Right. Mm -hmm. Statements of self-affirmation motivates us to think positively about ourselves. And they really help to affirm our competency when situations arise that make us feel otherwise. Right. It helps Mm -hmm. us to combat that negative thinking. And there are areas in the center of our brain. And I brought my brain model because it comes everywhere with me. So hang on. I'm just going to grab it. Yes. This is a model of our brain. Right. Of course, it's you know, it's it's very it's very um plastic looking. Our brain does not look like plastic, but this is the model. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to separate it down the center here. Okay. So just bear with me a second. I'm going to pull apart the halves and across around the center of our brain, just in this area here, I'm just going to bring it in the camera. What happens there? There are brain areas in the center of our brain that are responsible for our perception of self, right? Few of them live along this midline of the brain. And two of these regions are called the medial prefrontal cortex, which is about here, and the posterior um, cingulate cortex, which is about here. And these areas really light up when we affirm ourselves. So just think about in your brain right now, every time you say a statement of affirmation, you're actually lighting up the center part of your brain. And the fact is these these areas stay active even after you've affirmed yourself, right? As you're going through your day, there's activation in in these parts of your brain. And it's very different from those that don't affirm yourself. So there is some science out there that shows that affirmations change your, your brain and have you in a different state for a longer period of time. So that's one thing that I'd love to tell people to do in in terms of managing your thought lives. Affirmation is so important. The next thing I would suggest is reflection. And I'm sure you're you're probably someone who reflects, uh, Trudy. Journaling. Um, Yep. Yeah. And it's really important because it helps us to grow and develop our understanding more deeply. It helps us to continue to improve like the next time we encounter a similar situation. And science too shows that it changes our brain. It just creates a scaffolding. If we're to kind of follow that, that analogy of the city drawing, it, it creates a scaffolding that reinforces the healthy buildings, right? The buildings that we mm. want to remain and we want to, to beautify in different ways. And what it really helps us to do is kind of reflect and make changes as needed consciously and actively go through that component of our life, whatever we're facing. And this could be through journaling. This could be walking in nature and just thinking, talking to yourself out loud. It's just a way of processing what happens. 
And last thing before I stop talking, I am very long winded. I'm no, keep right. going. This is great. This is great. Keep going. Um, is that in terms of, of managing your thought life is really practicing gratitude. Gratitude mm. also changes your brain, right? All of these mm. things, these have an effect on your brain and gratitude releases something that I call the happy chemicals, right? And these are chemicals that activate centers in our brain that makes us feel happy, motivated, fulfilled, gives us pleasure, all these kinds of things. And these chemicals, two of them are called dopamine and serotonin, and they promote our happiness. Again, our pleasure motivates us to do that same thing over and over or connect with those people that make us feel grateful over and over. So if I was to say ways of which we can watch our thought life, it's really three things that I would encourage people to do based on the science that shows that the brain responds well to it is affirm yourself, reflect, and practice gratitude. Do you feel like your stress levels are constantly on the rise? You're not alone. Feeling stress is a perfectly normal feeling but it can sometimes feel like you're taking on the world without the strength to get back up. In my free Foods That Soothe ebook, you'll discover some key vitamins, nutrients, and recipes that may help you to improve your mood as well as to reduce your stress. I know how it feels to be overwhelmed, so I wrote this resource with you in mind. No matter how stressed you are, there is always a way to find relief. This book doesn't take more than 10 minutes to read, you can even read it on your phone or on your tablet. You can also grab the free download over at trudyestone.com forward slash foods that soothe. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Dr. Chrissy, like <laughs> so much there. So much. First of all, I love that you brought the props because okay. I am a highly visual person and seeing <laughs> that just like brought everything to life for me because I do know that affirmations do help your brain. Right. But I've never actually seen that part of their brain before. So that was really, really cool to see. So if you're listening to this, make sure to watch this video on YouTube so you can see that beautiful demonstration that Dr. Chrissy just did. Um, And then in terms of, you know, the reflection, I think that's a really important piece. And this was something that was missing from my life for a very, very long time. And my husband kept trying to get me to journal. He's like, why don't you just journal, just journal, just journal. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if that's really going to help, but it does. And I think it's because a lot of times when we're going through things and we're going through challenges in our life, we tend to just try to work it out in our head and in our brain. And it just, I feel like when you do that, the thoughts just kind of have nowhere to go. Like there's no release. Right. And when you journal and when you write things down, it is the best way to get things out of your head and onto paper. And you'd be surprised because a lot of people are intimidated by looking at a blank sheet of paper, but you'd be surprised that once that pen touches the paper, you're going to find that your thoughts and that pen is just going to keep going. Yeah, that's going to help you to work out a lot of the stuff that might have you stressed that might make, you know, have you feeling down or anxious. So, you know, don't knock journaling like I did, like definitely give it a try. And I would suggest for people who are intimidated by seeing the blank sheet of paper, just start Mm -hmm. with writing prompts. Yeah. So if you just Google, you know, writing prompts and you could even do like writing prompts for, I don't know, whatever your particular situation might be, you're going to see a whole bunch of things come up. Pinterest. That's another really great place to find like writing prompts as well. So I'm so, so glad that you talked about that. Thank you for sharing that tip and the affirmations too. Like that's, that's huge, right? Yeah. If I can just jump in there again for a second, you know, sometimes when we're journaling, we might think that in that journal, we have to solve everything. And that's not the intent of journaling. As you so rightfully said, Trudy, it's just getting it out of you. It's, it's another form of releasing, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's really important that we have that release. Sometimes it just takes you writing how you feel in the moment and leaving it there. You don't need to solve it right now. You just need to get it out of you so that you have that opportunity to reflect back on it when you're in a better frame of mind. Mm -hmm. And I love what you say about the prompts, right? And, you know, I, I use some prompts that I use and you're absolutely right. You can Google anything. And some prompts that I use that kind of just help me get through sometimes it's what's what happened today that was good, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, What happened that I can improve on? How did I feel overall and why? And how can I maintain this feeling or change this feeling? And these are the four prompts I kind of default to. 
of course, I am, I'm not perfect. I don't journal every day or even every week, but I journal every now and then when I just need to process my thoughts. Right. And the more you journal is the more that you have that release, but you could also do it when you just need space in your brain. Think about it, as you said, dumping it out. So you have more space to process it um, when you're, when you're in a different frame of mind. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I also love that you talk about gratitude as well. And I think that that's something that's, you know, really taken for granted, but what I found is that it's hard to feel sad and it's hard to feel down when you're living in gratitude. It really is like, try it. Like if you start going through the list of things that you're grateful for, you're going to find that your mood's going to immediately start to be elevated. And I typically practice this. I practice this in the evenings too, but I like practicing this in the morning because sometimes we wake up in the morning, we think of all the things that we have to do for the day. And then we get overwhelmed. Like the moment we pop our eyes open, right? So in the morning, if I have a day where I know it's going to be busy and I have to get through a lot of things, I'll just start by what I'm grateful for. Yeah. Number one, I'm grateful to be able to open my eyes because that means I survive through the night. Number two, I'm happy that I can actually see because there's a lot of people that can't see. Right. I'm happy to wake up in a house with a roof over my head because that's something people don't have. I'm happy that I have a home that I share with my amazing husband. And oh, wait, I have an amazing husband. So when you start going through these lists of things that you're grateful for, you're going to find that you're going to jump out of bed and you're going to be like, all right, I got this. I'm ready to tackle the day. So like, don't knock the gratitude either. We hear it so much, but like, don't knock it. Like really just try this because it's, it's something that's just so, so, so small, but so big in the grand scheme of things. Right. And it's because the reason why you feel so good after that, Trudy, and I I experienced the exact same thing is because it's changing our brain. It's releasing those happy chemicals. And once we activate that happy system, that pleasure, we call it the pleasure system or the pleasure network in the brain. um, It's hard to feel upset after that. Right. And then you just want to do it more because it's like, it's the same system um, that drugs act on. Right. Mm. So if we can, actually get ourselves in that pleasure space very organically, we're going to want to keep doing it because it just leaves us feeling fulfilled um, and it leaves us feeling happy and just kind of promoting an activity that brings us satisfaction. So yes, gratitude changes our brain. That's why it's hard to be upset after you practice gratitude. Yeah, totally. Totally. And you know, with the, the affirmations, cause I, I hear from some people, I feel silly saying an affirmation because I don't feel that way. So I don't really want to say that thing. Right. And what I would say to those people, and you can like, you know, jump in and like, if you you think I'm wrong about this, but what I would say to those people is talk back to your thoughts. Yeah. Right. So if you have a thought that's like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't believe I have to do this, or I can't believe I forgot to do this thing. Like just catch yourself having that thought, forgive yourself for having the thought. Cause that's another one. Cause now we have the thought and we feel bad about having the thought, forgive yourself for having the thought and talk back to it. Yeah. You know what? I'm a little overwhelmed right now, but I'm doing the very best that I can considering, you know, A, B, C, or D. Yeah. Just get into that practice. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And, and, and the reason why we should do it is because not all thoughts that we have are true thoughts, right? Right. And we have to challenge that's, that's the basis of therapy of talk therapy. We're challenging these irrational thoughts, these problem thoughts, and we're, we're applying strategies to change those thoughts. And again, as I mentioned before, thoughts are not abstract. We're changing the brain when we change our thoughts. It's, it's think of that building, think of that, that drawing, right? We're getting out our eraser and we're erasing things and after we erase a building, there's still a shadow of an imprint of the building there, right? So it takes work to remove problem thinking. Um, so we have to do it. We have to actively do it, challenge our thoughts, reject untrue thoughts, and talk back to yourself. Exactly. You choose what you want to build your brain architecture on and remove what you find is unhelpful for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Such great tips, Dr. Chrissy. This is amazing. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about what happens in the brain when things go wrong. So for example, yeah. like mental illnesses. Yeah, for sure. Now I think, so in talking about mental illness, um, I kind of want to, let's go back one minute because yeah. When I talk, what happens in the brain with mental illness is directly linked to things that I know you know a lot about eating healthy, exercising, getting outside. And when we don't have that kind of healthy lifestyle, our brain becomes a little bit, you know, um, more, more challenged in dealing with stress, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. Um, or dealing potentially with traumatic events that might happen in our life that we might really throw us off balance. So activating these kind of healthy lifestyle 
things helps to ready us with with quick um, production and action of our happy chemicals, dopamine and serotonin and all those kinds of things. Um, so that when we are stressful, we have something to fall back on. Stressed, we have something to fall back on. So we'll talk about mental illness in, in a second, yeah. but I just want to just stick in here the importance of eating well, which you know everything about, probably more than I do. (laughs) But what I do know as a neuroscientist is that there are some foods that really help to build up our brain. First, to begin, it helps to keep us happy and whole. It helps to promote like, you know, uh, memory, um, good memories, cognitive functions, those kinds of things. And those are foods that are, you know, fat, have fatty acids, antioxidants, minerals, and and vitamins, right? And there there are a list of those. and, and, And you talk about a lot of this on your social media accounts. And, you know, um, and it all, it's all very true. So we talk about like the omega-3 fatty acids that's found in seafood, like salmon and mm-hmm. trout and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, even coffee is good for you, right? It has yeah. those antioxidants and it seems to be protective, right? Against certain kinds of cognitive uh, declines, like we find in Parkinson's and dementia and stuff blueberries, you know, things like turmeric, broccoli, pumpkin seeds, all these kinds of things are really oh, got nuts. It right? Nuts, eggs, these things are really good for our brain. And it just kind of situates us well to build the the neurochemicals that we need for our cells to work. So so what we do for our brain is that when we eat these foods, our body breaks down its components and then um, formulizes the chemicals that we need for our brain. So that's why it's really important that we eat well, because it's based on the food that we consume, the neurochemicals are created, right? And then, and then of course, when we exercise and stuff, it turns on those happy chemicals. When we get good sleep, oh, sleep is completely underrated, but sleep is so important. It is, you know, it's like the housekeeping, it has a housekeeping role in our life. When we're sleeping, it's actually removing toxins from our brain and it's helping to solidify like our learning and memory and the thought process that happens during the day. So getting a lot of sleep is really important. So I say all of that to say when we're not able to kind of adopt the these healthy lifestyle choices, we are more challenged when stress comes into our life. Mm-hmm. And we're more mm-hmm. challenged by life situations. And our brains are a little less ready um, to deal with such um, overwhelming experiences when they occur. And stress mm-hmm. is a really bad thing. We all know that stress is a really bad thing. But I'll just tell you on, on the chemical sense why stress is a bad thing. Everyone knows about our stress hormone called cortisol, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what happens is that when we're stressed out, this 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 chem this hormone affects the growth and function of parts of our brain, right? right? So like our hippocampus for example. I wonder if I can show you the hippocampus. No, this model doesn't really have the hippocampus there. But the hippocampus is where we uh is responsible for our memories and where how we learn and how we kind of transfer things into our our memory banks. And if we're stressed out, it affects our ability to use this part of the brain. Right. It also turns on, you know, our fear processing area. And, and that part of the brain is called the amygdala. And I can show you oh, yeah. that. So in this model here, there's a little like circle on the bottom here, and it mm-hmm. looks like a little almond. And that's where it gets its name. It's called the amygdala and it's named after the almond, right? Mm. So it's that part of the brain really processes our fear response and stress turns on that part of the brain tremendously and causes us to really battle against the fears in our life. And this, again, cortisol, this stress hormone also starts to shrink away at the part of the brain that's responsible for thinking and reasoning. So this front part of our brain, we call it the prefrontal cortex. It really starts to eat away at that tissue and Mm -hmm. break it down. So we're not able to think as, you know, problem solve as well decision-make as well, reason through things as well. Stress really is not our friends. So that is why we eat well, we exercise, we get out in nature, right? To make sure our happy chemicals are active and healthy. And, you know, when we are stressed out, maybe because of a traumatic event, maybe because of life situations or what have you. Um, And sometimes we are predisposed because of our genetics or our DNA to be more vulnerable to these illnesses, right? It becomes very, very hard for our brains to cope. So that's where treatment comes in, 
right? right? And treatment like medication, for example, or talk therapy are very powerful for this. The brain can change with the right supports and treatment. It's possible to strengthen and repair the brain. And the point of, of therapy is really to make us more resilient, to boost our coping mechanisms and to really adapt to situations in our life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no one treatment works for everyone. So every individual has to figure out the treatment plan that works with them with their with their medical team and their doctor. But the reason why medication is helpful is because this is all chemical, like a lot of these mental illnesses Mm -hmm. are based on chemical imbalances in our brain. Mm -hmm. Medication is also a chemical, right? Right. So what we do in medication is sometimes medication is made to look like naturally occurring chemicals in our brain. Again, these happy chemicals, dopamine and serotonin. It can look like those chemicals or affect those systems in the brain to turn on and off the function of our happy chemicals, dopamine and serotonin. So Mm -hmm. so medication being chemical is reacting and interacting with our chemical uh, system to kind of normalize it a bit. And then talk therapy is effective because, again, problematic thinking is a behavioral illness, right? It's it's a behavior that we need to change. A thought-based intervention will then be necessary to change the architecture of our brain. And what it really does is provide strategies like evidence-based, which means research-informed strategies of how we can change the brain architecture. I mean, it's a very physical thing. Um, Change the brain architecture based on making very specific decisions on how we address our problematic thinking. I think we've all heard about things like cognitive behavior therapy, which Mm -hmm. kind of identifies negative thought patterns and replaces them with healthy ones. And research shows that after six months of therapy, your brain structurally changes, right? To improve those connections between your fair processing uh, area, the amygdala, and the prefrontal cortex. So it changes the connection between these two parts of the brain so that we can actually reason and think more rationally. So don't, don't you know, uh, uh, kind of write off talk therapy as just like, you know, chatting with your girlfriend. It's not the same thing at all. It is actually uh, research-informed, evidence-based practices that have shown to be effective in changing your brain, but you need to go to the right therapist to get that type of effective intervention. Mm-hmm. No, that was great. That was like so much great information. And I'm so happy that you talked about sleep because if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me here if I'm wrong, because you're the expert. I believe lack of sleep, it actually affects that prefrontal cortex part of our brain. Is that right? So that that impacts your decision-making. So then you're going to make poor food choices the very next day. And you're probably going to be eating those foods that might be helpful to you in the moment, but will actually make your stress worse or your situation worse in the long run, like a lot of processed foods and a lot of sugar-laden foods, which cause inflammation in the body, right? Right. And I've read that depression is actually inflammation in the brain. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And a lot of the countries that have the highest rate of depression also have the highest intake of sugar. So there is definitely a link there. So it's really important to, you know, eat those anti-inflammatory foods, you know, eat those foods that have those stress busting nutrients, like, you know, magnesium foods that have B vitamins, um, you know, iron rich foods and and that sort of thing. And it's not to say that you're going to, you know, have some pumpkin seeds, which are a great source of magnesium. You're going to instantly feel better. But like Dr. Chrissy said, it's like, you know, you have to keep doing like all all of these things and all of these things will add up, right? It's, it's compound interest, right? You just just do what you can, right? Exactly. And you're absolutely right, uh, Trudy, in saying, again, the foods we eat is what we use, the building blocks of the chemicals in our brain. So if we're eating fatty foods that are, you know, you know, oily and just problematic for us, processed foods, we don't have the building blocks to build the right chemicals for our brain to be healthy. So it's very important that we eat well so that we provide the nutrients for our body so that it can do what it's supposed to do. We Mm -hmm. think of all these things, as you know, just like behaviors that we have to adopt, not understanding that it truly affects the health of our body, the health of our mind, and then affects how well we are living our lives. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, these foods that we're eating, like the processed foods, the sugar laden foods, like all of these foods are, you know, I either call them a crutch or a bandaid approach. Again, they're going to make you feel better in the moment, but, you know, in the long term, not so great. And you also have to examine the reason why you're turning to those foods, too. And this is something that I talk about with my clients in my shed and shred uh, challenge, Um, Mm -hmm. just getting to the root of it. Like, why is it that you're turning to these foods? Like, what's the thought you're having? 
or what's that feeling you're having before you're turning to the wine or before you're turning to the chips or your Haagen-Dazs caramel cone explosion. I just confess what my weakness is um, or whatever that food might be, right? So getting to the root of it and some of those things that Dr. Chrissy talked about, like the reflection, so the journaling, you know, the affirmations, some of those things, you know, are going to help you to get to the root of it, right? Right, right, definitely. Awesome. Oh my God. So good. I could talk to you all day. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So Dr. Chrissy, um, what else should we know about taking care of our brain? I just want to just throw out like just a free question here. Like, is there anything else that you want to share with people or something that you really think people should know in terms of how to take care of our brain or how to take care of our mental health? Yeah. So we talked about a lot. And so just to kind of recap in terms of your thought life, you know, we're talking about affirmations, reflections, we're talking about practicing gratitude. In terms of healthy living, we're talking about eating well, exercising, getting good sleep, right? These all change the chemical behaviors in your brain. So it's not something arbitrary that you're doing, it actually is affecting your mental health, which is your brain health, right? And then we talked about, you know, the importance of if you are challenged, if you're stressed out, and you're really buckling under pressure, um, or you've experienced trauma, or like, you know, you just feel under the weather. You don't have to wait to have a diagnosis to get to a therapist, right? Mm. It's uh, it's like the next step of journaling, right? You're releasing your, your feelings in a journal. Now you're releasing it to a person that can help you understand how thoughts work and can potentially give you strategies to change it. So these are all things you can do. And I think one thing that we, um, one other thing that I would love to add is about nature. And I know we mentioned Mm. it earlier, Mm -hmm. but nature really is free therapy. Like honestly, like nature, just going out in nature, having your feet touch the grass, being in the sun, just kind of, you know, even going for a hike, walking by a river or a lake, any body of water, really, nature actually boosts chemical behaviors in our brain. Again, it's all about chemicals, right? Right, (laughs) right. Nature really has the power to improve our mood, right? Going out there, not forgetting to breathe because our body needs oxygen, our brain needs oxygen to work. You know, I think I, I, if I I might get this stat wrong, but our brains, I know is 2% of, you know, our body mass, but it uses up 20% of our oxygen consumption. So the importance of breathing is so important because it really fuels our brain to do what it should right? Nature is that gift. It's bigger than life. It gives us, Mm -hmm. you know, opportunity to kind of step into our good mental health, reflect all those kinds of things. It's a mood buster. It actually increases our serotonin level. That's a happy, that's a happy chemical. And when serotonin goes awry is when we experience depression, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It enhances our sleep. So it it helps to produce uh, melatonin, which helps us to sleep. It also produces vitamin D, which we know this is a big one. We know that one vitamin D and which reduces inflammation and promotes, you know, healthy cells and cell growth and all those kinds of things. And it also has the power to lower our blood pressure. So nature is good for you. Get out there as much as you can, especially living in Canada, it gets quite tricky because we have so many dark months. And that's why we have things like SAD, right? Which is seasonal affect disorder, because we are deprived of that sunlight that helps to turn some of these chemicals on. So when you can get out there, just experience nature, it is free therapy and you feel so much better um, after you've done it. Do you feel like your stress levels are constantly on the rise? You're not alone. Feeling stress is a perfectly normal feeling, but it can sometimes feel like you're taking on the world without the strength to get back up. In my free Foods That Soothe ebook, you'll discover some key vitamins, nutrients, and recipes that may help you to improve your mood as well as to reduce your stress. I know how it feels to be overwhelmed, so I wrote this resource with you in mind. No matter how stressed you are, there is always a way to find relief. This book doesn't take more than 10 minutes to read. You can even read it on your phone or on your tablet. You can also grab the free download over at trudyestone.com forward slash foods that soothe. Yeah, you know, and what I suggest to people is like, you know, if you go for like a hike, if you want to go for a hike, it doesn't have to be like, you know, like a, like a huge mountain or anything like that, because I said the word hike, and I'm sure I lost a lot of people. But you know, it doesn't have to be like a big, huge, long hike. But you know, what I would suggest is, you know, just go for a hike, right? Go on yeah. a sunny day, you're going to get that sun, so you're going to get that vitamin D, you're going to yeah. get that exercise. And I believe exercise helps to enhance the hippocampus, right? Yes. That part of the brain yes. that's responsible for memory and learning. So you're yes. going to help that part of the brain. And you can also pop in your earbuds and listen to the Mind Your Body show and learn something. 
There you go. That is perfect. It really is. It really is perfect. And that edifies your mind, right? Like when you're feeding your mind, anything you're feeding your mind through your senses, you choose the information that you input to your brain because your brain's going to take it and and create something in there, right? A thought Mm -hmm. pattern, Mm -hmm. um, a particular way of thinking and being. So by all means, get get the you know the podcast and get all of Trudy's um, resources there and just feed your mind because it will help you when the time gets tough and you need to kind of figure out what are some healthy choices that I can do. Yeah. And then in terms of like practicality and some other ways that people can work this into their lives, you know, one thing that I found has been really helpful for me is to have like a morning routine, right. Or a morning ritual. My my husband says, no, it's not a routine. It's a ritual. (laughs) So it's like a ritual. So I wake up, like I wake up a little bit earlier than I need to, to kind of get my day started. Not like, like a two hours earlier, maybe like an hour or half an hour earlier, depending on how my day looks, but I might start with like doing either like five minutes of meditation I'll just do like a quick workout for maybe like 20 or 30 minutes. Um, And then I'll just have my breakfast and I'll include some of those foods that we talked about earlier, some of those anti-inflammatory foods, right? So you can throw in some dark leafy greens. You can throw in some blueberries, which are really great um, for the brain or whatever other, you know, fruits that you like, but just find like little ways to kind of like work these things into your day. And I don't want people to think that, you know, they have to do like so many different things, like just do what you can start yeah. with where you can, right? Like if you know that your thoughts just, you know, are always setting you up for failure, like your thoughts are just constantly negative. Maybe that's where you need to start. Yeah. If you're always turning to like sugar laden foods or processed foods, maybe that's where you need to start. Just, you know, honestly, just look at your life, look at your lifestyle and see like, you know, what is the biggest area right now that's, that you feel is kind of holding you back. Just go with your own intuition and just start there. And you yeah. can build on some of those other things from there. You don't have to do all of these things that we've talked about at once. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think you make a good, a good point, right? These things aren't magic pills. They're not magic yeah. potions. They're not going to automatically make you the happiest person on earth that never has a stressful day. We all experience that. But these things helps get your body ready for those times when it is stressed out. So it helps to, with consistency, it just readies your body that you have built up, you know, the the proper chemical balance in your brain that you've built up the right thought patterns. You've built those things up so that when you are stressed, it makes you in a better position to cope with that. If I have strategies of how to think about problem thoughts when they come online, then when the problem thoughts arise, I'm ready to combat that, right? If I have have high blood pressure, but I've been eating well, I'm kind of preparing my body for the times when I'm really stressed out that it starts to go up a bit, but I'm a little healthier than I was if I didn't make those those food choices. So it's a matter of living a healthy life, doing these things to just prepare your body for when times get tough, you're in a better state to kind of cope when that happens. It's not a magic pill. You're not going to do all these things and automatically be healthy and have no worries in the world. You're just preparing your body to live a healthy life and have the tools it needs to be resilient for when the time comes. Yeah. And that's exactly it, Dr. Christie. Like all of these things help to increase your resilience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So Dr. Christie, I have a question that's something that I ask all of my guests here on the Mind Your Body show. What is your favorite way to take care of your mind and your body. Okay. So my favorite way is hiking. And I know that sounds really crazy. We just talked about that, (laughs) but I absolutely love to get out in nature. I'm not like, I used to be an athlete when I was younger and I used to be very active, but then during COVID I shattered my kneecap and had two surgeries to fix it. I've been on a rehab trip. That's been horrendous and really challenging my mental health at times. Um, And you know, because it kind of took me away from the person that I was before. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is really, kind of lean into that nature piece, go out into nature, you know, now that I'm back on my feet again, and I can move around much more easily. I challenge myself a bit, I get my heart rate up, I just I'm out in the trees, and I'm, I'm, I challenge with the elevation sometimes so that I can uh, just exercise my body to feel a little bit more like myself, it just gets me in touch with myself a little bit more. I also love spending time with my kids. I have two kids and my husband, he's really special too, but I have the two kids as well. And I spend more time with them. But just seeing them smile, just that socializing, socializing with family and friends. I know COVID has really challenged us in this area. 
mm-hmm. but our brain responds to social socializing. We actually have neurons in our brain that that are activated when we are with people. So mm-hmm. we were made a social being. So socializing really helps me to balance off my mental health. Uh, talking with a friend, talking with family um, is something that I do. And then just eating healthy because I really feel better. I've, I've had a lot of challenges with like my food tolerances lately. And when I eat those fruits, those leafy green stuff, it really helps me to feel better. So those three things are my big thing, getting out in nature, hiking, getting out there, socializing, talking with my family and friends, and trying to eat healthy is my mm-hmm. way of keeping my mind and my body in a healthy space. Oh, I love that. And, you know, Dr. Chrissy, I find that whenever I work out, like whether it's like, you know, I go for a long hike or if I work out, I find that I make better food choices as well because I've spent that time kind of working out my body. I feel like those positive endorphins are going and maybe that's part of it. But also I've just spent that time. I invested that time like working out. So now I don't want to eat the pizza. I'm going to have something a little bit more healthy, right? And I should, sorry, I'm just going to jump in here just to say yeah. one more thing. I know we talked a lot about hiking, but a 20 minute walk in your, in your community is, is good too. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we don't have to do these quite these big challenging things, right? Um, you can just walk for 20 minutes around your block and that actually helps. The science shows that it lowers, it actually slows cognitive decline, right? You're, you're talking about exercising the hippocampus, that part of the brain with learning. That part of the brain is also involved in our spatial um, understanding and recognition, right? So we're mm-hmm. turning, we're really activating that part of the brain when we're out walking and doing things like that. So you don't need it to be something strenuous. You just need something to kind of get the juices flowing, you know, turn your brain on. And that's just as good as as, um, anything else, right? In terms of, 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 of exercise choices. Absolutely. Such a great point. So Dr. Chrissy, where can people find you? Well, you know, I'm on Instagram. Everyday Neuroscience is my handle on Instagram. And that's really the only place I am right now. I, I am used to being in a lecture hall. So this social media thing is, is new and tricky for me <laughs> in terms of, you know, growing, growing there. But, uh, but that's really the only place I am right now is on Instagram at Everyday Neuroscience. Okay, perfect. And I'll make sure that I link up, you know, all of Dr. Chrissy's information in the show notes so you can find her. And I highly, highly recommend that you check out her videos on Instagram. You will love them. You will look forward to seeing whatever videos she has each and every day like I do. So please make sure to check her out on Instagram. So Dr. Chrissy, thank you so much for stopping by and being on the Mind Your Body show. This was such a phenomenal conversation. I'm so fortunate um, that you were able to do this and be here and share all this amazing value um, with our listeners. And again, like seeing what you do and how you help people and seeing this, you know, as a woman of color is something that just fills me with immense pride. And I'm sure with other, you know, people of color as well. So thank you so much for everything that you do. And thank you, Trudy, for this opportunity. You know, I I, I love talking to people who are also in the field. We can kind of, you know, vibe off of each other and kind of grow capacity within ourselves and within the community. So I really appreciate this opportunity. I wish you all the best in everything you continue to do. You're a phenomenal woman. Keep shining. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Chrissy. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body. For more after the show, make sure to head over to TrudyEStone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also, make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.